Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Malachi, chapter 2. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. We read you a story as we kind of get going. Kind of a good story, appropriate for Christmas holiday. Once upon a time, a perfect man and a perfect woman met. After a perfect courtship, they had a perfect wedding. Their life was, of course, perfect. One snowy, stormy Christmas Eve, the perfect couple was driving their perfect car, an SUV, of course, along a winding road when they noticed someone at the side of the road in distress. Well, being the perfect couple, they stopped to help. There stood Santa Claus with a huge bundle of toys. Not wanting to disappoint any children on Christmas Eve, the perfect couple loaded Santa and his toys into their perfect car. And soon they were driving along, delivering the toys. Unfortunately, the driving conditions deteriorated, and the perfect couple and Santa Claus had an accident. Only one of them survived the accident. Who was the survivor? The perfect woman survived. She's the only one who really existed in the first place. And everyone knows there's no Santa and there's no such thing as a perfect man. But if there is no perfect man and no Santa Claus, the perfect woman must have been driving. This explains the accident. In re- I, I like that one because I actually use that in a lot of weddings. And uh, every time I do a wedding, that's actually the first time I've actually read it from the pulpit in the church environment. I usually do it in weddings. And, and in every wedding, people go, they're just cracking up, because especially when I say, you know, the woman is the only one who's perfect and existed anyway. And people, oh, ha, ha, ha. And I always go, don't laugh too quick. Okay. So, of course, we know in reality... There is no perfect couple. There's no perfect marriage. And you know, if you've been married for more than a week, you know there's no perfect marriage. Don't say amen too loud, fellas. (laughs) But, but, But listen, just because there's no perfect marriage and there's no perfect couple, it doesn't mean, now listen closely, it doesn't mean that because people don't have a perfect marriage that they should divorce. That they should divorce. It doesn't mean that. And that's what we're going to learn. That's what we're going to talk about tonight. If you were with us last week, you know that we didn't finish chapter 2 because some of the things that I wanted to cover in chapter 2 and verse 16, we uh, time wouldn't permit. So in the interest of time last week, we decided to end our study in verse 16, and that's where we're actually, well, I don't know, maybe not going to pick up our study tonight, but I've got a few other things I want to share with you that I didn't have an opportunity to share with you last week, even in the preceding verses. So we're going to talk about that, but let me just kind of back up a bit 
so that we, we can move forward together. You know, I've titled this series of sermons uh, in the book of Malachi, Straight Talk from God. You know that if you've been here, because God was talking straight to Israel and God was rebuking Israel on some issues and on, on many issues. And, 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 and last week, I think I told you that, that if you came that night, last Wednesday night, that, that you came on a night where the teaching and the sermon topic and the Bible teaching was going to be very, it's brutal last week. And, and, and I should also tell you right now that the brutality continues tonight. And uh, so if you want to leave now, you might want to go and take off and because uh, um, it's, it's, it, it, it's bad. But, but, you know, when God's word has much to say to us about sin areas in our lives, and although it is kind of brutal to have to kind of deal with things in your life and to kind of have to come face to face with things in your life, and that's kind of brutal, it really is for your good. Amen. Thank you, brother. You understand. It is for your good. Amen. It is for your good. It's almost like when you spank your kids. It's for their good. (laughs) All the parents said amen. And uh, so that's what we've been dealing with. Straight talk from God. Now, if you've been with us, we've been working from... uh, this outline that we, I have for you that uh, you've probably seen, of course, if you've been here on Wednesday nights, seven points of contention from God. And we talked about, in number one, the people were denying God's love in chapter 1, verses 2 through 5. Here's God's problem. Here's God's issues with Israel. They were denying God's love. As God said to Israel, I have loved you. Israel started to whine to God, in what way have you loved us? And they said, well, if God loved us, then, then why have we been oppressed? And why are we going through tough times? They were doubting God's love and denying God's love. And then point number two, talking about contention from God. Point number two is they were defiling God's table in chapter 1, verse 6 through 14. You see, the people were bringing their sacrifices of, of bulls and lambs, and, 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 and these sacrifices were limping and lame and blind. And they were giving God, if you will, the leftovers. They were giving God like roadkill. You know, they would say, well, you know, I got this cow and, you know, old Betsy's dying anyway, so let's take her down to the temple and offer her to God because she's dying anyway. They're giving God the left, so leftovers, and we talked about that, how it's important for us to bring God our best. Isn't that true? To bring God our best. So not only de- denying God's love and defiling God's table, but also they were devaluing God's word. The priests weren't keeping God's covenant in chapter 2, verses 1 through 9. We talked about last time. The priests weren't keeping God's covenant and commandments. They should have been able to share God's word as the people came for counsel, but they departed from God's word and they departed from God's way. And thus they caused many to stumble at the word and they corrupted the covenant. And thus they were bringing judgment on themselves. And then in chapter two, verse 10 through 16, we looked at this a bit last week. Point number four deserting and divorcing their wives. God's contention, God's problem is that they were deserting and divorcing their wives. And as I said, we got to this just a bit last week. Talked about God hates divorce just a little bit last week, but I want to deal with it a little bit more in depth tonight. So what I want to do, and also last week, there was so many things in chapter 2, verse 10 through 
17 that I wanted to talk about, didn't have an opportunity to talk about. So I get that opportunity tonight, and that's what I'm going to do. We'll back up to uh, chapter 2, verse 10, and let's read through verse 17, and then I'll come back and have some comments. Is that all right? In verse 10, saints, if you're there, say amen. amen. Have we not all one father? Has not one God created us? Why do we deal treacherously with one another? By profaning the covenant of the fathers. Judah has dealt treacherously. What did they do? They caused an abomination in Israel and in Jerusalem. For Judah has, note this saints, profaned the Lord's holy institution, which he, what? Loves. He has married the daughter of a foreign god. May the Lord cut off from the tents of Jacob the man who does this, being awake and aware, yet who brings an offering to the Lord of hosts. And this is the second thing you do. You cover the altar of the Lord with tears, with weeping and crying, and so he does not regard the offering anymore, nor receive it with goodwill from your hands. Yet you say, for what reason? Because, note this in verse 14, would you underline it, highlight it in your Bible? Because the Lord has been witness between you and the wife of your youth, with, with whom you have dealt treacherously. Yet she is your companion. Fellas, your wife is your companion. Not the buddies on the golf course. Not the buddies at the bowling alley. Your wife is your companion. When you get married, the single days are over. If you're not ready to be married and you still want to be single, then, then please don't get married. Because when you get married, your single days are over. You hang out with the boys, drinking a brewski. Yet she is your companion and your wife by covenant. That's what we are. Verse 15. But he did not make them one. But did he not make them one? That's a question. But did he not make them one? <laughs> of course he did. Having a remnant of the spirit. And why one? He seeks godly kids, offspring. Therefore, take heed to your spirit and let none deal treacherously with the wife of his youth. For the Lord God of Israel, in verse 16, would you read it with me? For the Lord God of Israel says that he hates divorce, for it covers one's garment with violence, says the Lord of hosts. Therefore, take heed to your spirit that you do not deal treacherously. God says you have wearied the Lord with your words. Yet you say, in what way have we wearied him? In that you say, everyone who does evil is good in the sight of the Lord, and he delights in them. Or where is the God of justice? Well, stop right there. Give me your attention. We're talking about the people were deserting their wives. Notice in verse 10, Malachi says, Have we not all one father, and has not God created us? Now, Malachi isn't, give me your attention, Malachi isn't talking about the universal fatherhood of God and the universal brotherhood of men. That's not what he's talking about. 
Malachi is talking about, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. Malachi is talking about a covenant that God made with Israel. A covenant. And based on this covenant, Malachi is asking the people to take a hard look at how they are treating each other. If God promised to bless them and make them his special people, then how is it that they are being so wicked and so mean to each other? And specifically, Judah, in verse 11, has dealt treacherously. And an abomination has been committed in Israel in that they have profaned the Lord's holy institution. Now, you can write this in your margin. The Lord's holy institution is ta- what do you think is talking about? Marriage. Very good. The Lord's holy institution is talking about marriage. You see, Judah profaned the marriage institution. How? By mixing marriage. By mixing marriage. Now, I just have to say this because I have to say this every time I say this. Every time I talk about mixing marriage, I have to say this, that God is not talking about black folks marrying white folks. Please, somebody say amen. amen. God is not talking about Asian folks marrying Hispanic folks. Somebody say amen. amen. God is not talking about a person's ethnicity marrying a different ethnicity. When the Bible talks about mixing marriage, and if you've been around here at Calvary Chapel any amount of time, you already know this, but please just let me, for the sake of clarity. When God is talking about mixing marriage, God is talking about believers marrying unbelievers. Somebody say amen. Amen. Okay. God's people were marrying outside of the nation of Israel. They were mixing marriage with pagan women. They were mixing marriage with people who were not of Israel, who were not God's chosen people. So when God talks about mixing marriage, he's not talking about races of people. God doesn't care who marries who. God doesn't care if you marry a black person or a white person or a Hispanic person or any other ethnicity. God cares that you marry a believer, that you marry a believer, that you marry a believer. That's what God cares about. You need to marry a believer, somebody who believes like you. And we talked about this at Calvary. Matter of fact, I think I talked quite a bit last time about it. So pick up the CD from last week. God cares that you marry a Christian. And the Bible is very, very clear about that. Second Corinthians chapter six, verse 14. I've given it to you a hundred times. Here's 101. Second Corinthians six, 14. Do not be unequally yoked together. We got it on the screen. Read it with me, would you? Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness And what communion has light with darkness and what accord has Christ with Bilal or what part has a believer with the unbeliever? None. The answer is none. You have no fellowship with an unbeliever. Single sisters, single brothers, don't marry. I don't care how cute she or he is. I don't care how pretty you think your babies will be. 
Folks be doing that nowadays, you know. They try to marry the right person so the family looks right and comes out right and all of this nonsense. You want to marry someone who knows Jesus. Amen, saints? Because I told you last week, if you want a prayer life, marry an unbeliever. They'll be calling you old camel knees because you'll be on them. Because you'll be praying hard. Don't marry someone who is not a believer. And listen, here's something for you. Here's something for you. And don't marry someone that just says they're a Christian either. You know, oh, I'm a Christian. You know what? Take time to watch their walk. Take time to watch their walk. You want to be sure that they are sold out. Because, see, people's definition of Christian nowadays is, like, all over the place. I'm a Christian because I live in America. I'm a Christian because I eat mom's apple pie. I'm a Christian because I go to church two times a year. I'm a two-timer. I go two times a year. Christmas and Easter, I'm a Christian. Well, no, 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 no. You don't know. You, you want to marry someone that's sold out for Jesus. Someone who is committed to the word of God. Somebody who is sold out, carrying their Bibles, tongue-talking, word-walking believer. Yeah, I said it. It's all right. Okay, if they don't speak in tongues, that's okay. It's not their gift. But you understand, somebody that's really, truly committed, don't just say, oh, just because they say they're a believer. Watch their walk. See if they come to church. Hey, when you can't, here's a good test. When you can't make it to church, see if they come to church. Because if, if you can't make it to church and they don't come to church and that pattern continues, they only go to church because you're there. It's just like no-brainer stuff. You know, they just go to church because you're there. That's all. So you want to marry a person that's committed and sold out believer who knows Jesus. Now, look at verse 11 with me again, because I want to deal with this. And I want to deal with last week, didn't have time, but I'm glad because I have time tonight. Look at verse 11, because it says, notice, Judah has profaned, the, the middle of verse 11, Judah has profaned the Lord's holy, the Lord's, underline that, holy, underline that, institution, Underline that, which he loves, underline that. I want to take careful note of how Malachi describes marriage. How he describes marriage. It is, number one, marriage is the Lord's. You see that? That's why I draw line it. It is, first of all, the Lord's. Marriage is not a financial relationship or an agreement between two people. Marriage is the Lord's, number one. Marriage isn't a pairing of two people with common interest. We talked about that last week. With common interest, no. Marriage isn't a pairing of two very intelligent people. You know, there's a group of people out there trying to bring forth into the world, a super race. Well, there's no difference. Hitler did the same thing. But a super race of people where, you know, you take the right people and you get two very intelligent, high IQ people and two nice looking people so they can produce a super race or something like that. Marriage isn't a pairing in that regard. Marriage is a covenant relationship ordained and ordered by God. Marriage is, first of all, the Lord's. Secondly, marriage is holy. Look at it again in verse 11. It's holy. 
of all the relationships, think about that, of all the relationships that, that, that human folks can have, marriage is unique in that it is ordained and blessed by God and is holy. Of all the relationships, you can have a good friend and a good buddy and best friends for life. But, but best friends for life and good buddies, those, that kind of relationship is not ordained by God. It's not ordained by God, and God doesn't look at that kind of relationship, although it is a good relationship. God doesn't look at that relationship as it's holy. Marriage, on the other hand, God says, is holy. It is blessed. It is unique. It's unique because God gives in the relationship of marriage. Think about this. Are you listening? Think about this. In the marriage relationship, it is the only relationship. The reason why it's unique, because it's the only relationship that God gives precise prescription for the role of each person. God says in Ephesians 5, husbands, love your wife. And then it says, wives, which is my favorite verse, <laughs> submit to your husband. <laughs> I joke her. She looked at me like, yeah, we talk about that when we get home, huh? <laughs> I love it, though, because, you know, my marriage relationship, I mean, we understand that. We understand our roles, and God understands that people are not that bright. And that's why God says, I'm going to make it easy for you. Husbands, love your wife. Why? Because a woman's greatest need is love. Wives, submit to your husbands. Why? Because a man's greatest need is to feel like the king of his castle. That's the truth, ladies. You want a happy, holy marriage, healthy? You let him, look, let him feel like he's in charge, even if he isn't. (laughs) You need to smarten up. I'm just trying to help you. You let him feel like he's in charge because that's his greatest need. Wives, submit to your husband. The marriage relationship is unique and it's holy because God gives a prescription on how to be married. Thirdly, notice in your Bibles, marriage is an institution. Notice the Lord, holy, what saints? Institution. You see, marriage is meant to be solid with boundaries. Solid with boundaries. People today are trying to redefine marriage, twisting and bending it to mean anything that they want it to mean. The Bible is clear. Saints, listen, the Bible is clear. Marriage is a defined institution and union between one man and one woman. It is not a union. Please, saints, say amen. The reason why I bring that up because I happen to be kind of trying to recover today. And I'm flipping through the news and all over the news. Oh, y'all know, all over the news. Elton John and some guy named David are getting married in a civil union in England. And it's a big thing. And it's, oh, it's a small wedding. Oh, how small? They have 700 of their guests. I'm like, that's small? 700 of their guests. They get married, and it's a big, big deal, and they got the best of everything, and blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. And I'm listening to this nonsense. And you know what the Bible says? That's weird and perverted. That's what the Bible says. And the Bible says that marriage 
is a union between one man and one woman. It is not a union between Adam and Steve or Eve and Eva. Amen. Not two females and one male, not two males and one female, not a group of marriages or any other variation. Marriage is a union between one man and one woman. And I don't care what any country, any prime minister or any president would say. God's word is clear. It's a marriage is a divinely appointed union. In other words, God established it. Therefore, only God controls its law. Civil law cannot supersede God's law. Amen. And it does. I don't care what they say. I don't care what laws they make. The highest law is the law of God. Amen. And every man will stand before God and give an account for his law. So marriage is a divinely appointed union. Marriage is a permanent union. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.